Hey, Jason, how are you doing this week? I am doing well. You know, it's been a couple weeks, and during that time, uh, I had COVID, which was really terrible, and uh, healed from that. So that's why we didn't do it one one of the two weeks that we didn't do it. Yeah, probably probably both weeks. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I think it was a yeah. long it was a long unfortunate time. And you know, well, and you weren't you weren't the only person in your circle that had it, right? No, everyone had everyone had it. Everyone had yeah, it. So. Um, and uh, despite the vaccinations and booster and stuff, uh, still got it easily. So, uh, but me, you know, I, I, I don't know. And I guess I'll never know. Maybe the vaccinations and the booster kept me alive, kept me out of the hospital, or maybe it did absolutely nothing or somewhere in between. You tell me, I don't know. Well, all I know is I'm here. I'm excited to well, be here. Were you, were you, were you hospitalized? I don't believe I was. Yeah. I mean, so feels like something I would know. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, of, of course, being vaccinated helped. Good. Well, I'm glad that wasn't <laughs> for nothing. <laughs> no, of course, it's not for nothing. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, I do find it. Uh, the one position I do find funny, which which I, I'm seeing present even in my kid's school right now, yeah. is why this vaccine is not required for the kids to go to school, but a dozen other vaccines are. Yeah. And then, uh, um, but yeah, no, I mean the whole, the whole, I, I mean, for me, it's just always, I, we, I mean, we talked about the, my, my, my bunkerism in the past. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, and for me, it's like, you know, when I play the plague game on the iPad, I always win it. Yeah. But I did a PhD in the fucking topic. So um, we've just been sticking to the same protocols ourselves now as a family. Uh, and it's been working for us. Yeah. So, you know, meaning the, the kids have been in physical school since August without incident. Um, we've made it through the Omicron stuff without incident. But right. But they're also like PCR tested every Monday and Thursday, and and uh, you know we still do physical things in the presence of other people, like judo. Yeah, and uh, you know the kids swim, and one of them fences, and you know so we we've been able to do what looks and feels uh, like you know about eighty percent of normal. That's good. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's been, uh, we've been very fortunate that way, in my opinion. Um, and cause I mean, I have a, a couple friends that have of course contracted it and now have, you know, quote unquote long COVID. What are their, well. like, what are they dealing with? Oh, things ranging from, uh, insomnia, you know, the whole fog brain, mm. you know, thing people will say, mm-hmm. um, almost, uh, you know, chronic joint pain. I mean, you know, the funny thing about, you know, the, the, the quote unquote virus is, and it's a little bit like even people's understanding of vaccines versus monoclonal antibodies versus, you know, antiviral versus, you know, other, other treatments that basically occur. You know, a vaccine is always going to be the cheapest way to prevent um, the progression of, the disease and potentially the spread of a virus mm-hmm. or, you know, viral load. Right. Um, I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that. I will we'll not edit that out. Yeah, that's fine. Because, uh, you know, um, in antiviral, for example, um, you know, the timing of it has to be perfect. Yeah. Or, you know, if you go get quote unquote monoclonal antibodies, you know, which are of course much more expensive to produce mm-hmm. and, they're only up against uh, one site. Uh, you can't you can't put polyclonal antibodies into a person because it's not um, um, at least you can't manufacture it. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of like that because it's not a uh, it's not a, a discrete compound. It's sometimes given in the case of diseases. That's when they give quote unquote serum from mm-hmm. a recovered patient. It's basically 
polyclonal antibody serum. But but a polyclonal antibody response is exactly what a vaccine is meant to elicit. Um, and uh, it's, of course, the, the most co cost-effective, straightforward way to elicit that response. Uh, and, um, um, you know, but, you know, for people that aren't vaccinated and then, of course, do not have a testing regime mm -hmm. and then don't feel well and then wait, you know, before they seek medical care, uh, you know, the challenge is by the time they show up in an emergency room or, you know, heaven forbid, an ICU, mm. they don't really have a viral disease. It's not the virus that's the problem. Uh, you know, depending on their own genetics and environment or some unknown things, people end up with either a inflammatory disease, uh, you know, think of it almost like an autoimmune disease, uh, you know, type, type sort of equivalent, uh, or a pulmonary disease uh, that's typically of inflammation as its root, or a vascular disease of inflammation as its root, you know, so they'll actually uh, get you know, peripheral blood vessels messed up, they'll get their lungs messed up, you know, they'll get, you know, a wide range of, of sort of issues like that. And then, of course, you know, when they show up, you know, you'll hear, you know, I hear stories from doctor friends of mine where they're like, well, you know, somebody's like, well, you know, I'll just take the monoclonal antibodies now and I'll give me this, and give me that. And it's like, no, none of that's, you don't have virus anymore. <laughs> like none of that's for that. Um, your lungs are messed up is what it is, you know, and, and then, uh, and then, heaven forbid, you head into some of the, you know, long-term things. But, uh, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's one of the ones where uh, uh, I am logically of a fan that if you don't have to get a disease, you should not get it. Mm -hmm. uh, if it is truly inevitable that um, you're going to get it, and you then hopefully you sort of make it through. And if you want to make it through it, then you should use as much a complete tool set to make it through that as possible. Yeah. Right. Um, and uh, I, I think that's a, it's a pretty almost what you call a moderate position. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. 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 But um, I guess apologies to the regular listeners of the podcast, but Dan had COVID. I had COVID. And, uh, and, uh, um, I don't even record over the internet with people that have COVID. That's how. That's how that's bunkered. How, that's how serious you take it. I don't. Even, yeah, I won't even. If you know that I have it, you won't text me back. Is what I found. Well, because now that we're both vaccinated too, I mean, then technically we're connected to five G. Yes. Uh, I don't. Yes. I don't need <laughs> the virus transmitting right. over five G from you no, to me. No. Um, that's uh, one fucked up edge use case right there. I mean, everyone knows that's what 5G is really for. Transmission of viruses. <laughs> I mean, why do you think Correct. it rolled out yeah. at the same yeah. time that we were hey, having careful, a pandemic? Though, careful, because careful, careful, because we put this podcast on Spotify. <laughs> oh, that's right. And Neil Young might get upset they if won't. he doesn't realize we're... We're joking. They won't be able to tell what the do you, What do you think about uh, what do you think about that whole situation? We've uh, I've admitted to listening to Joe Rogan before. Sure. Um, I mean, I I can tell you this. I um I think you know I've been in podcasting now since 2006 is when I started full time at the end of 2008. Um, you know, did it for my exclusive source of income and did very well doing it for a number of years. And you know, uh absolutely anticipated big <clears throat> big companies and big media figure type people uh entering the podcast sphere and industry and changing it and we mm. used to talk about this a lot in the early days like we knew there was only a measure of time before that that happened and yeah. of course the biggest podcaster in the world is joe rogan and is it true yeah by far, I think, um, the biggest show and the most listeners. Yeah, because it seems to have like 10 to 15-ish million. That's probably conservative. Yeah, listeners, they yeah, said. I think that's accurate. Um, and, and as you said, that it's, it's conservative because that's sort of like what, what, what you're able to track. That's really, definitively sure. what you can like guarantee unique listeners. Uh, and so, oh, I, sure. you know, the whole thing is very interesting because here you have somebody who happens to be the 
essentially the biggest podcaster in the world who talks, which which has a certain responsibility to it. I I think so too. And he talks to people that he thinks are interesting, regardless of what their opinions are. And he listens to everyone's opinions. And in 2022, listening to someone's opinions is conflated usually with agreeing with them. Now I'm not defending Joe Rogan at all. Well, I mean, he, uh, he, he came out and, uh, had like sort of an eight minute Instagram video yes. apologizing for yes. some things in the area said he was going to do better than that. I mean, I mean, I, I, I only saw, uh, you know, maybe the first minute or two of it, but mm-hmm. it at least, unless somehow the, the following six minutes was him telling everybody, you know, I'm joking, fuck off. No, it was just, I mean, the, the, the initial part of it was, uh, thoughtful. Mm-hmm. I thought so too. Um, and I mean, I, my, my funny part is what I, what I generally observe with him because I, uh, you know, as I said, I, I often do listen to his podcast, and I'll even listen to it when he has these controversial people on, mm-hmm. um, uh, in a quote unquote controversial people on, um, you know, versus like a Brian Cox, who's just great to listen to, mm-hmm. you know, the the sort of a, um, you know, rock star turned famous, you know, um, astrophysicist in the UK, right, uh, guy. Um, he, um, you know, there are, you know, like I saw, um, and it's a similar thing with like this Lex Friedman kid, you know, who's at least a PhD in computer science and pretty smart, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. I and mean, I think he had, you know, the uh, Francis Collins on, you know, the head of the NIH. And, uh, you know, what I find funny is that they'll they'll go and often talk to you know, I listen to Joe Rogan talk to Sanjay Gupta, and then Joe's like all of a sudden Mr. Logical. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, you know, very logical, you know, boom, 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 logical. Yeah. And then he's got some whack job on who thinks that he created RNA vaccines. Um, and, then he's, and then the logic just goes out the window. You know what I mean? And, and so what I'll, what I'll um, generally find, which I find... Um, you know, just, just something I note. And and the thing is, is I'll, I'll listen anyway. I mean, and I get the, because uh, I, I think there's the, um, there is sort of something interesting about that longer format. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think like in the case of Joe Rogan or sort of a Lex, Fried, you know, Lex Friedman. With Lex Friedman, I don't know if you ever listened to his thing. Oh, yeah, um, very much. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, he's got even, honestly, very often better guest than Joe Rogan does. I'm mm-hmm. surprised how the hell that guy gets people on the show, you know, like that. But it's a, it's a basically the same format. It's an open ended conversation. It's done when it's done, uh, you know, type type sort of thing. I mean, you know, on one hand, it is interesting that those are such popular podcasts when that's a long period of time, mm-hmm. right? Um, I mean. Has it always been, was always a thought that a three-hour podcast was going to be the, you know, a three-hour episode of a podcast was somehow going to be the number one podcast? Well, you know what, though? I, I actually think the answer, well, I mean, it is yes, but I'll tell you why I think it always was yes. And my thinking on that is talk radio, which is not podcasting, existed for so, so, so many decades as the number one kind of form of entertainment. And even when we had Netflix and even when we had on-demand YouTube stuff, even when we had uh, television going back many, many, many years, when that first came out, radio continued to be entertaining. And the, the main prime, the prime, there were two primary things that people didn't like about radio and about talk radio specifically. Uh, one yeah. commercial interruptions. Well, we have those with advertisements again in podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. And two, the fact that you had to tune in when it was on. Well, podcasting fixes that it time shifts it. But if you yeah. think about yeah. it, most radio shows, talk radio shows are three hours of content surrounded by a lot of commercials that push it to about yeah. a four hour shift. Well, Joe Rogan is just doing a radio show, a regular talk, call-in radio show type situation, no different than talk radio has been for 30, 50 years. He's just doing it 
his way with his guests as a podcast. Yeah. So the idea that it's three hours for a lot of people, that's like, oh my God, I never listened to a three hour show, but actually, yeah, you are because you're probably going to listen to yesterday's show and you're going to play it in the background the way that you always used to have talk radio on in the office when you were at work all day. It's, it's no different yeah, like than that. news or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. That makes, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And that's what I think is going on behind the success of that. And he's one of the very, very, you know, most podcasters had have and had the attitude of, Hey, you know, keep it short. Keep it short. Exactly. Yeah. Just yeah. guy, you did a, you did a 40, 40 minute show. Are you crazy? No one's going to listen to that. And Joe Rogan rolls in. Yeah. Oh, we did a three and a half hour show with yeah. the, you know, talking to one yeah. other person. Well, that's cause that's the format that people like. And, and that's how long, if you and I went yeah. to, went out to lunch, forget COVID, forget the fact that we live in different places. Just like hung out and go to lunch. You know, you have a business lunch that you can do in an hour, but if you're catching up with a friend and you want to have a really good conversation, let's say it's not a lunch, three, let's say it's three, a dinner. Three, four hours. Yeah, it's a three or four Easy. hour. We're going to meet, we're going to have dinner. We're going to have some drinks. Easy. We're going to chill out. It's the same thing. And that, that well, people, time frame, uh, that people, three hour people. time frame is a human interactional time frame. We're, we're wired for it. Yeah. And people, uh, I mean, people routinely even come over here and, um, you know, say the house and, um, God, I mean, you know, come by at 4 PM on a Saturday, they're leaving at midnight. Yeah, so I, mean, I totally get it. That's how it is. No, but similar thing. I mean, I mean, if you and I went to, yeah, you and I went to lunch, I mean, my general suggestion was let's, let's meet a little earlier at 11 so we can wrap up by two. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's, um, um, and I guess having, uh, observed enough of the, um, Joe Rogan shows, I'd say the one thing I do, and this is a, this is a objective observation, uh, is that, um, anybody that sort of comes from a bit more of a crazy conspiracy theory land is not exacted to the same degree of of uh questioning and logical rigor <laughs> that <laughs> somebody who does not come from crazy land is on that show uh and i don't think he intentionally does that um i mean in a lot of ways even if you're sitting there talking to somebody who's nuts um and um uh, i you know i mean i i just have general issues of of being intellectually honest with yourself and if you're going to be, if you're going to sort of, you know, be consistent and you can conform to a certain, you know, world, world view, then really sort of try to work within that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, for some reason that is not working out, then you logically sort of shift it and change it. But, but you try to have some, some type of thing where, yeah, you come across as logically consistent, I guess. Well, you know, the, so he, so for those who don't know, that's who Joe Rogan is. Then he comes out and he talks a lot about weird alternative topics. And some mm -hmm. one of them was about COVID vaccinations and all of that stuff. And mm -hmm. he talked to controversial people about it and shared his controversial opinions about it himself for himself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, that's something that in, in the modern day is generally problematic. I actually did, and this is, you know, scientifically vetted. I did a Twitter poll. And in the Twitter poll, I asked if, uh, if following someone on Twitter, if following a person on Twitter was an endorsement and a supportive action of that person's thoughts, ideas, comments, etc., Mm. overwhelmingly i forget the exact number it was like 70 percent of people and and i got hundreds of responses mm. um th in the 70 percentile said yes following somebody that means that you agree with them and support them and i said what if what about liking a tweet does liking a tweet indicate that? And more more than that, 80 plus percent said, yeah, well, then it means that you support them. And I said, my response to that was, well, a lot of people will like a tweet just to remember it. And they're like, well, that's the bookmark feature, which is a hidden feature. Uh, it's You have to like try to find the bookmark feature 
in order to uh, in order to actually use that. But they say that's what you should mm. be using if you don't actually like what someone says, but you want to remember it. You better not like it because that definitely indicates support. And then a retweet, yeah. same thing. Ninety percent of people full endorsement, full endorsement of it. And I thought that was absolutely fascinating. So if I if I take that a little bit further, what that means is I shouldn't listen to anything that I that I don't support and agree with. I shouldn't read anything that I don't agree with. And and in fact, you know, those things shouldn't maybe shouldn't even be of Jason, maybe they shouldn't be available to me at all. So that it, because if if it's something that goes against what I might think, rather than me learning about that. And maybe forming an art, an intelligent argument against it by listening to something that I disagree with, I shouldn't mm-hmm. even have access to it. I, it should be blocked from me. I shouldn't be able to see it. I sh- it should definitely shouldn't hear about it from a friend. I should. I should. That thing should just go away and not exist. And I don't agree with that. Obviously, I think that it's perfectly okay to listen to someone that you don't agree with to follow somebody who you absolutely disagree with. I think that's perfectly fine to do because if anything, it's going to help me understand that argument, that side, and more intelligently respond to it if I ever needed to and understand why someone might feel the way that they do. I'm, I, I guess have to, it's a, to, to me, so I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, you know, I, I generally find that, you know, when I go and see those kinds of surveys that, um, You know, I like a lot of what you just said about that. I, I wouldn't, um, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't agree with the majority of your responders. You know, from that that point of view. Meaning, right? Um, the The question always is, um, is that uh, you know, one one we we do know that um, you know either incorrect or purposefully designed content online can radicalize people mm-hmm. into extreme views. We, we do know that. Yeah. Uh, and um, people have a wide range of susceptibility to that. And so what I'd think of is probably the majority of people, or at least a, I don't know, I mean, let's say anywhere between 25 to, 60% of people mm-hmm. are impressionable. And maybe I'm underestimating, I don't know. But um and you know, you know, perhaps people's view on these things is that they're attempting to protect people from extremism. Yes. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Right. Um now what I do often find disingenuous in and you see this out of politicians' mouths all the time, is you know, someone will go and um say um you know i'm not being treated fairly in the following way uh and uh, i'm gonna treat you like this and then when the the sort of alter you know when the shoe's on the other foot it flips and you know they're inconsistent Mm -hmm. uh you know sort of in that um now to me i mean i i deal with this and this is a bit of where you know the um my thinking on here becomes how much do um, I share about my own thoughts Mm -hmm. and how much do I participate in meta discourse? And, you know, what I mean by meta discourse is, well, it's exactly what meta discourse is. I mean, you know, meaning it's the, um, the writing about your writing or the talking about your talking Mm -hmm. or the talking about your reading or stuff like that. Sure. So I, I, I myself have no urge, despite the fact that I say read a lot of books on a regular basis, I will not write book reports and post them on my blog. Uh, you know, in that the reading of the book is enough for me. Um, and so I can honestly say I don't retweet people. I don't like their tweets. I don't unlike the tweets. Um, I don't really give a shit who I follow or not. Um, you know, in that I have some limits in that if I find people tend to be extremist, 
mm-hmm. uh, inconsistent, illogical, of low integrity. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that, I won't follow them, mm-hmm. regardless of sort of their worldview. Uh, you know, in there, um, I like a certain degree of authenticity and honesty. Uh, you know, in what people say, um, and I'm, I'm more interested in those characteristics than I am in in something else. And and I think there's a there's you know it's a little bit like having this conversation about trust, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where you you know you'll go to, uh, you know, like I've I've been in these leadership meetings, you know, with leadership teams, and they're like, well, here we're we're going to be working on trust today. I said, okay, well, if I go off and now I'm going to work on my trust, um, how exactly do I do that when trust is not a characteristic that I have as a person? It's a feeling that I elicit in somebody else. Hmm. And I don't have control over their feelings. I don't necessarily know where they're coming from, per se, or the like. And so what, what truly is under my control? So I know for me that uh, the way that, or the ways that I feel the vast majority of the time are entirely my choice and under my control. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can choose whether to perceive something negatively or positively or as an emergency or or the like. But um, I find that there's aspects of of my mental and physical well-being that are entirely under my control and I refuse, refuse to allow the external manipulation of that, mm-hmm. regardless of worldview. So, and it's a similar thing where I'll, I'll tell people that, you know, I actually do believe that things like, you know, if I see another executive being legitimately angry or upset uh, or even frustrated, you know, in there, uh, I think they should grow the fuck up. <laughs> Yeah, they got to just, you know, take it like a wet rag and squeeze the emotion out of it. Um, that's, a, that's a feeling that you're having. And your feelings, not to sound like Mr. Rogers, but your feelings are under your control. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to go ahead and become really good at, at, at managing the things that are under my control. I... I I hope that characteristics that one works on, authenticity, honesty, integrity, those types of characteristics, thoughtfulness, um, those types of characteristics hopefully should elicit trust in other people. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, um, but, you know, what I generally find is that uh, it, it does mean that I... I I spend very little time or effort externally expressing the vast majority of what goes on in my head mm-hmm. or what I'm thinking mm-hmm. or, 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 or someone like that. Uh, and, and I think, and this is where um, somebody like a Joe Rogan, it becomes the balancing act in it. Uh, you know, I'd say that, you know, myself, you know, like, if you've been the founder of a company and you have more and more people working at it, there's a bit of this, uh, you know, founder, founder Jesus uh, mythology that always ends up in people's heads. Who's got access to this person? Who doesn't? Who's influential with them? Who isn't? Right. Uh, you know, it's they're they're the you know they have you have the sort of very classic culty uh, thing that occurs around that. There's then a responsibility as to whether you want to go full cult nut. Mm-hmm. on there or not like do you believe that you are in fact the savior of of <laughs> industry x right uh you know in that um and uh, you'll see people that go all in on there i mean like the uh you know the nut that was running we work is an example of that oh just yeah. like yeah absolutely that documentary <laughs> yeah. was fascinating oh my god <laughs> the uh I mean, it was just, you look at it and you go, how do you even, how do you do that? How do you, how do you, how do you yourself go so far? I know. Uh, You know, mentally. Yeah. uh, You know, into there. And so, uh, so, you know, you have, um, 
you know, you have that. And then, but you'll generally find that, you know, the larger and larger groups that I've run, um, or, you know, when I've, uh, see people that become, uh, the new CEO of something, I find that generally what get people into issues is they don't realize that they do in fact have a platform now and shit they say sticks. Mm -hmm. So if you go and do an all hands with a hundred thousand employees and you say something, there's no taking it back. So you almost have to assume if you say something, I mean, I would, I would find myself, um, like one thing I always found fascinating at, at, at Ericsson was the rumor network in there was amazing. You could be in a meeting with 12 people, make a comment about something, and it would be throughout the company in two to four hours. Sure. And uh, people would bring it up a year later. Uh, you know, people will act as if a comment that you make is somehow a decision. Right. You know, and then people themselves don't really distinguish between having a conversation about something, learning about it, teaching somebody about it, making a decision about it, making it actionable. They're not good at breaking these parts up. Right. Um, and so, you know, I find that, you know, particularly when you move into C level positions of large companies. Mm -hmm. You do, in fact, have to spend, and this is even on the board, you have to spend more time listening than talking. Mm -hmm. it sounds strange, but you should literally be listening a lot more than you talk. You should be asking questions, not making statements. You should always clearly distinguish between um, information, like an informational session, uh, from a thing where you're teaching. Uh, from a session where you are solving a problem that ideally only you can solve, uh, or you're there to make a decision that's yours to make. Um, and these things cannot be mixed up as to like what, what it is. Uh, and, um, you know, you often have more time to consider something and make a decision than you realize. Mm -hmm. Um, particularly if the rest of your life is being organized in a way that you've, you, you've had some degree of imagination and you're not being surprised by things, right? Um, but I, you know, I, I basically deal with this in that um, uh, I vastly prefer to read news than to watch it because I read faster than I, can, I listen, uh, you know, in there. Uh, meaning I can read 1,200 words a minute, but you can, people only talk at, you know, 120 to 200, mm -hmm. you know, sort of like words a minute. Um, if I listen to long form, you know, quote unquote talk radio, it's even the form of podcast. It's in the background while I'm doing something like working out in the gym, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing, or I'm in the car uh, and, uh, you know, there, but it's always, but it's not, it's not ever something I sit and just do. So I find television and TV news to be um, too slow, mm -hmm. too time-consuming, you know, from like that perspective. I just don't do it. So, I mean, I, I read, uh, you know, as much as I possibly can. Uh, I'll listen to things, but it's always, you know, sort of like in background. And probably the only news news I watch is, you know, essentially uh, Bloomberg's news feed and maybe CNBC you know, sort of in there. Um, it's fair to say that in the last nine to 10 years, I've not participated in social media. Mm -hmm. um, meaning, and uh, if I am there, uh, I don't interact with it. You know, I, you know, I mean, I, I have, you know, cause part of it is, you know, having been around at, when it started in the beginning of even all the, the social aspects showing up in these apps. Um, it's a little bit like what you see in crypto right now. You had all the fraudsters and 
governments and everybody showing up where it was pretty clear that um, these things are purposefully designed to plug into a certain degree of people's behaviors and, and the like. Uh, and it can be used to manipulate them. Um, and um, companies are purposefully doing that for the purposes of making money. Uh, and, um, you know, that's true. So, um, you know, I just deal with it that way. I just, I sort of don't, um, I, I spend, I spend much more time consuming, listening now than I do speaking or expressing or, you know, that kind of thing. I think it's a good idea. You should spend more time eating than shitting. <laughs> <laughs> right. Have a nice three hour meal, but if you're on the <laughs> toilet for three hours, well in balance. Wow. That's true. I mean, but, but isn't that people are constantly just sort of like, Oh, just because, but you're a human being, you're now entitled to what? Just spew what you think all the time without it's based on like how you're feeling right at this moment. My right. God. You're talking about the, well, that. that goes back to your comment before about the responsibility that the bigger your audience is, the bigger your influence is, the more responsibility you have, despite the fact that most people don't acknowledge or even, I think, become aware of that. I think it's true. And that's whenever, whenever somebody, whether they're a big YouTuber or something else, when they mm. screw up the way that everybody always screws up, everyone eventually screws up somehow. Uh, and they kind of realize like, whoa, I guess like people listen to the things that I say and act on them. Wow. I had no idea. And that's the case back to your original point with Neil Young that Joe Rogan was, you know, in his own space, doing his own thing, talking about being controversial. And I don't I think mean, to be that, fair, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a, you know, he's a stand-up comedian. That's yeah. He's a stand-up comedian. He's a TV guy. He's been in, in the mainstream for a long, long time. So you would think that he would have to know that, but I don't, I don't know that he did. And then to have someone like Neil Young and then Neil Young inspiring other people to say, well, I guess, I guess we're off this platform. We're rejecting this entire platform. And again, this even for me as a podcaster and someone very interested in the podcast industry and community, you know, this, this shows that uh, Spotify is not podcasting. Mm. And shows that our that our um, Spotify exclusives are not podcasts. The whole concept of a podcast, they're like podcasts, mm -hmm. but and and I would make a, a wonderful analogy, which is um, frozen yogurt is not ice cream. It's cold. It's sweet. It's made with some kind of dairy usually, but mm. they're not exactly the same thing. They're a little bit different. And that's that's the difference with the Spotify-owned, operated, and controlled show. Because if this was a podcast, he could release it and it it could be distributed anywhere. And if someone, if a distributor says, we take issue with your content, we're not going to distribute it on our platform, that's their choice. But individual human beings will always be able to get it. That is not yeah. true of Spotify exclusive and Spotify owned shows. I cannot get Joe Rogan's show unless I subscribe to or use Spotify and get it that way. So, yeah. um, and Spotify is the main way that I get music nowadays. You know, that's, yeah. that's my service of choice. I don't have Apple music. I don't have title. I don't have any of the other ones. And so yeah. now I can't listen to Neil Young. That's what that means. So because Joe Rogan said some things that Neil Young didn't like, I can no longer listen to Neil Young's music. And, you know, what? what is that? What is the result of that? And this is the part that's very interesting to me. But, but the thing is, is, of course you can. N not through the platform that I prefer. I can buy his music. I can switch platforms. Or I can yeah. get it illegally. Those are my three choices that I, maybe there's more, but those are the three main ones. And what's I mean, interesting I, I about just, that? Every every artist that I enjoy, I have. I still listen to vinyl, though. I mean, that's tougher to do while you're driving. 
or like in the gym, bring your record player and no, you know, plug it in and, but you know, I think the end result of this is, is that who's, so whose fault is this? Is it my fault for picking Spotify? Sure. I'll, I'll take that. Is it Joe Rogan's fault? Is it Neil Young's fault? And what is Neil Young hoping to accomplish is he hoping think, to make I don't think, Spotify I think it's just the opposite. Up? No, no. I don't think Neil Young's necessarily trying to accomplish anything. I don't think he has to. I think it's a little bit of, and maybe this is just something that's come with me with, with age or the like. Mm. But, um, and this is, this is where, you know, even when I think about what, what nation am I from, mm-hmm. you know, when I, when I sit and go, um, uh, you know, I, I do think of myself as an American. Mm-hmm. Uh, who likes liberty and and the core thing, honestly, the liberty thing's pretty, I like the word, I like the lib. I like something that's got lib in it, <laughs> you know, libertarian, liberal yeah, liberty. Sure. Like I like, I like lib. <laughs> and um, part of it is literally the whole, tell you what, um, you go do your thing over there and I'm going to go do my thing over here. And how about you just not fuck with me? Mm-hmm. And I won't fuck with you. Mm-hmm. Like that's the baseline. And and part of it is what what is it about somebody where they feel agitated if somehow I don't acknowledge or agree with or even argue against their stuff that's coming out of their mouth? Why is there a, like I, I legitimately feel no need. To like, if, I mean, it's the same thing. If, if you literally have, if you have a crazy homeless guy on a bus doing God knows what, I, I just, I don't even, I, I, that doesn't cause an emotional response in me. And now just because it's somebody on TV with a bow tie doesn't mean that it's going to cause that emotional response in me either. And I think to the, in the, the Neil Young case, I don't think he gives a shit. It's his music. It's his music, and he can choose where it is. And he goes and says, you know what? This isn't the first thing with, I mean, he's, he's talked about, remember Neil Young had a like alternative music streaming thing that was all high-quality music, and yeah. they're like, he bitches about Spotify's quality. Mm-hmm. You know, he sort of doesn't like this. You know, it's like pennies on the dollar. Neil Young just looks and says, you know what? It's my, my it's, this is mine. I got to pick where it is. And this is, this is just the last straw for me. Mm -hmm. My shit, I don't, my stuff's not going to be there. And if you're a fan and you're using that and that somehow means that you're not going to listen to me, you're quote unquote, not a Neil Young fan anymore. I also just don't care. It's mine. Right. This is my expression, my expression. And it's just coincidental that a bunch of you hear it too. And it elicits an emotional response in you. But guess what? That's yours. And so, you know, in some ways, it is a it, like a an act of selfishness. But why why wouldn't each of us be selfish? Why why wouldn't each of us sit around? I mean, Neil Young's what in his late got to be in his 70s, mid late seventies, right? early eighties. Yeah. Yep. Uh, in there, um, each goddamn minute he's up and about. He shouldn't put up with fools. Why the fuck are we doing that? <laughs> You're any right. Of that? No, it's a great point. Why this would we do any of point. it? You just sit down and you're like, no. Uh-uh. No. You know, and so um, I think what it is often is that it is very difficult to get yourself into a certain emotional mental, physical state that where you like work on yourself. Like it's, it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy to be physically in shape. It's not easy to be consistent yourself. It's not easy to be a good, good husband. It's not easy to be a good father. Uh, You know, none of these things are easy. And so I think people avoid all the hard aspects Mm -hmm. about themselves by just sort of, you know, 
<laughs> going external and then just doing that. But that, but you know, it's like it's not. Get your own shit together first. Um, and so for me, I think I legitimately think you know, Joe Rogan as a person seems to have his shit together. And he just says stuff and because it's the whole show just feels like it's him. Yeah. Right. That even if he wasn't being recorded, he'd probably literally be having that same fucking conversation, uh, you know, in there. Well, and the fun thing is Neil Young's over there and Neil Young, that's his shit too. Yeah. And I think the difference, and I, and I, again, I heard like, you know, I l- listened to the first minute or two of his little apology because it was on the news and was like, okay, well, that's, I, I've heard enough. I, I, I get the, the gist of it. It's fine. Moving on. Um, you know, he sits down and, and I think, um, um, you know, a Joe Rogan is influential enough that the shit that he says does influence people. Yes. Um, and, um, you know, that's, that, that ends up getting to be a, a tough spot for anybody that, you know, is a content creator or is that sort of type of personality or so on like that is, you know, when do you start, um, when or if do you ever give a fuck about that? Um, and I think that's one thing, but, but again, I, I go back to the root thing that, um, um, and the great example is the whole vaccine issue. I've seen him go hard on logic and hard on evidence and hard on proof with people that were pro-vaccination. And I've seen him be logically inconsistent with people that were anti-vax. And it's a little like, uh, I think you should probably talk to the crazy Robert doctor. <laughs> Like you talk to Sanjay Gupta, like maybe, I don't know, apply the same sort of thing, you know, but, uh, but other than that, it's, it, you know, it is, it is, it is what it is. But I, but I think, I think in general people, it's, it's tough enough to be you mm-hmm. and have your own shit together and have your own life together. And it's easy to like, just ignore all that and sit there and binge watch Netflix and as you said, just like the podcasting thing, I think at the end of the day, you're consuming content through some distribution channel. Mm-hmm. That content is a bunch of people fighting on Twitter. Twitter's your channel. Fine. If your content is likes and not likes on a bunch of Facebook shit, that's what it is. But we go and consume content and we interact with it and we have all this drama around it to distract us from the fact that we don't know exactly why we're here. We're probably going to die alone. And just being good at being human is hard. So all the stuff that people do, you know, who are you following and all this and that, what did this comedian say? That's just everyone distracting from that. Mm-hmm. Hard stuff. Mm-hmm. The hard stuff is, yeah, you don't know why the fuck you're here. You don't know when you're not going to be here. And uh, you're probably going to go like Bob Sackett. You're just going to fucking collapse in a hotel room by yourself, not by anybody you fucking love, due to yourself at the end. And then, you know, that's it. Wow. Okay, so in light of that, how the fuck do you get out of bed every day and be a good leader and a good husband and a good father and what meaning do you find and so on, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So I think people are just, you know, distracting themselves from that. <laughs> Honestly. I mean, you know what I mean? Because to me, all of this is just, it's just no different than, I mean, you see examples of people that go play video games and are just like trolls in the video game or these like people that are massive trolls in YouTube comments, but it turns out they're a priest in real life mm-hmm. and shit like that. You know, it's like people have these weird little things that they do. But, you know, at the root of it is just dealing with the core meaning of life, I guess. Oh, am I wrong, Dan? No, I think you're, you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I think Neil Young did want to get something out of it. And I don't mean financially. I don't think so. No, I think he did. I think, I think he wanted to get Joe Rogan off the platform. 
or he just wanted to, or or it's a completely. So. Are you, so maybe you're suggesting, and I I can see this, but it sounds like you're suggesting that Neil Young had a personal vendetta against Spotify. No, and is using this as a way to stick it to him a little bit. No, mm. I don't think I don't I don't see that. I don't think there's uh um. I, I'm a Neil Young fan too. I think it's more pure than that, man. That man's a. Are you saying negative things about him? No, I love him. He's one of my favorite <laughs> artists of all time. No, I, I mean, I think I'm angry at him for I, taking him, his music off the platform that I, I I'm paid not, for. I'm not. Um, because I I own all his music through other ways. Anyway, mm-hmm. I have it on Apple Music and I have it on vinyl. And I have some CDs around still, and I listen to it there. I mean, it's, uh, you know, the reality is when you take a look, very rarely is your consumption of something, particularly now of music, exclusive to there. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. you can turn on classic rock and hear a Neil Young song. Now you've just consumed it. It's it's not, you know, as ready and easy as otherwise. But um, but, uh, I, I don't... I don't, uh, I'd, I'd, the, I saw a little bit of like what Neil Young said. And what I saw was a mature man who knows who he is and what he is mm. and who owns something and has decided to take what he owns and just go somewhere else with it. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know what I mean? It's a little like, <clears throat> that's mine. And I don't like where it is for these reasons. And I don't have to be there. Like, he doesn't have to be there. None of Neil Young's music has to be on Spotify. He doesn't have to be there. And he doesn't, he doesn't, like, it's not a, I mean, and, and I think that's, you know, that that's a, uh, you, you can do that type of thing with um, ha- without having a bunch of even negative emotionality in it. You can just sort of sit there and say, ah, you know what? At the very, um, and again, it, it goes back to how, how how do you find just the ability to function well at a high level and be creative and, you know, the, 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 those, those kinds of things. You know, it is rooted in um, understanding the things that are under your control and where you do have choice. And those are the things you really own. You're not going to own somebody else's choice or, you know, that, that kind of thing, you mm-hmm. know, just getting your own shit together. Um, so, I mean, I, I just read that Neil Young just, I mean, cause even some of the follow-up stuff I saw, he just sounded like it's my, mu-. he says, it's my music. Uh, my fans are my fans. And uh, I get to choose the things that I endorse and I don't endorse this platform period mm-hmm. in the story. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it elicited no emotions in him or it wasn't even really necessarily negative or not, or it wouldn't surprise me if he even spent very little time deciding to do this. It's his. And, and there's something like, you know, I, I mean, I, I find myself almost constantly going through life trying to sit down and say, fuck, you know, like, what, what, what things are mine that, you know, I can, I get a pick. And, and, it, and it just goes back to even just how you end up raising your kids very often. It's nice to sit around and say, well, would you like to do this or would you like to do that? You, you start educating them about what does it feel like to have a choice in it. And having a choice is very empowering. Um, and so I, I don't, um, I really, it's funny cause I, I literally, yeah, I'm a Neil Young fan and I listen to Joe Rogan mm-hmm. and I think Joe Rogan's right, um, around his, and I think Neil Young's right. And I think that, you know, at the root of it, you know, and they're like, don't, don't tread on me. Liberty is key, you know, type, type sort of thinking sure. is a bit of, um, you know, how about, um, you know, again, it's like you're in Texas. It's a little bit like people sitting there talking about being free 
but then they go and join a school board and say what books you can read. Yes. I mean, a little weird, you know? And so, um, <laughs> you know, if, if you said, it's like, I, you know, tell you what, the shit's mine. That shit's yours. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, I, uh, I think it's, I, I think the way it all went is actually pretty cool. Cause Joe Rogan sits down and says, Hey, you know what? Um, well, they're both I, doing I their thing, I, right? They're both I probably could do better, but <laughs> this is my thing. And I'm just going to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And Neil Young's like, yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. I'm just going to do my thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, my thing, I don't want it packaged up with your thing. Great. You know, but we as humans, we have a hard time doing this. It's a little, a little bit like you ever been in a relationship where logically you're sitting around and you're like, you know, I, I don't really like this person and I'm done with this. Mm-hmm. So how do you go have that conversation in a non-emotional way? Right. It's hard. It's hard for people to go and do that. But, um, and then that, that same sort of stuff, it bleeds throughout everything. Like it bleeds all throughout you know, business and everything else, you know, and you sort of sit down and say, no, no, he's got a choice. Fantastic. And anytime you have a choice that you can hold on to, you have optionality you can hold on to. Ah, it's great. It gives us that feeling that we have free will. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I think you've unintentionally created the most depressing podcast episode ever today. I don't think it's depressing. Well, it's I just, mean, it, it's it's depressing for a lot of people who don't want to see this side of what reality is. I get. I, we had a bunch of edge news to talk about, but you know, the thing about the, the <laughs> we did have is, a bunch of edge news to talk about. Yeah, but all that stuff's depressing. That stuff's actually depressing. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe you're right, but you know, I'm just a big. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I'm just a big fan of Liberty, man. Mm-hmm. Well, I think this thing uh, still goes out. I just think we, um, we just skip all the news then. Yeah, we can just, we can just, sorry, everybody. We, no, uh, don't be sorry. I think they're the going good to be news. pleasant. Maybe this the, is what this good... show is evolving into is, is just, uh, talking about Liberty. <laughs> Talking about liberty. Now the uh, um, part of it's just getting back in the groove again. I mean, you had COVID, so you name this episode, you know, an edgy conversation, not about edge. So the um, um, but we have some, we're we're going to start having guests. Mm, yes, we are. Do we want to do we want to yeah. announce who any of them are yet? And video too, Jason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah, because I got the whole streaming ability on LinkedIn and stuff. Yeah, now. we got all that. All that's in place. Yeah. Are you going to, well, I, I guess if you were, we're going to be streaming from you, then you yeah. actually have to log into my. I'll have to, you'll have to give me the secret password. Are you going to go through and just lock, like, like a bunch of shit that I don't like? What no, I'm do? just, huh? I'm going to, I'm going to <laughs> get, I'm, I know, I'm going to uh, make sure that our stream. Our listeners, you though. You get a stream key and all that. But they, so. can, they can listen live. They can ask questions of the guests and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are going to do that. I will field. So. I'll field the questions. That's not just, you know. It's there's at least one level of filter between uh, the guests. Oh, one and- one funny thing is, uh, remember in the last podcast, I did call out my cousin Adam, who said he listened to the podcast, and I was like, "Do you actually listen to the podcast?" So he he did hear me say that. He watched apps and said, uh-huh. he he acknowledged the call out on the pod." So it Very is nice. the podcast. Very nice. Yeah. So good. Good job, Adam. Hey, Adam. I'm just disappointed we didn't get to talk about Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard for $68.7 billion. That was the one thing I wanted to talk about. Well, and also then related to that too, uh, very close to that, is uh, Sony Interactive's acquisition of Bungie. Yep. Because keep in mind, Bungie used to be owned by Microsoft too. They're the original creators of the Halo franchise. Yeah, that's how they they bought Um, it just to get Halo. That was why they bought it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which became uh, the course, showcase. Halo's, Halo's, launched Halo's, Halo's now Xbox. 
Yeah, and Halo's now being done by a different company. Yeah. Um, and Bungie's done Destiny 2 and mm-hmm. some other, other Destiny 1, Destiny 2, some other properties and stuff like that. But, um, but you know, they're getting, they get Call of Duty, they get World of Warcraft, they get Diablo. Which are some Makes really a ton big of titles. sense. Well, and I what we what we all get is we get a drama free work environment at Activision and Blizzard. Yes, I mean, you've seen the, the first fucking, for fucking, the first the time. mess there, right? Yeah, it's a nightmare. <laughs> I mean, talk about because um, uh, Microsoft in this area they do run things well, uh, and uh, you know, definitely, uh, I imagine that. Uh, all of these guys will come out of the news, but I think it's great. I, I think all these acquisitions are uh, are uh, good, uh, and you always have these things where platforms are platforms, and then they start owning content, and then they separate it, and then they do this. And um, but um, but I think it makes a lot of sense. So um, and uh, and it puts Microsoft into being. A top three gaming company along mm-hmm. with Sony and Tencent. Mm-hmm. So it really gets them up in there. Um, you know, I think one of the complaints that smart. I've heard from, um, you know, there's this 14 year old kid that uh, I hang out with. He's my son. And he's yeah. always saying, you know, the one thing that the Xbox doesn't have as much of that the PlayStation has a lot of are exclusive titles. And uh, one thing I think Microsoft could do would be to make yeah. all of those titles that they just acquired exclusive to the Xbox. And nah, I, I would, I would I think that that might be something on the one hand, it would be really dumb and gamers would hate it. But on the other hand, it, it would, it would add that additional value to the Xbox nah, platform. You don't, don't think they're going to do it? I don't think. No. Okay. Uh, I think it's a, I want it's a, I think it's a silly thing to do. Mm. Um, the, because the, the other way to think about it is that PlayStation does that because Sony does that because Sony's always done that. Mm-hmm. Um, remember Sony? Sony had it. Remember like the the mini disc? Remember all the shit? Yeah. Sony always has proprietary physical formats. It's just how Sony is. And so I think um, the PlayStation does that because the PlayStation does that. The reality right now is that it's difficult to even buy a Sony PlayStation or an Xbox because of the chip shortage and everything else. So anybody who owns content doesn't would be stupid to limit it to a piece of hardware that has supply chain issues. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, there are, uh, you know, a lot of things like you look at, you know, Bungie's, Destiny series, you look at, um, uh, you know, things like Overwatch or Call of Duty on it. In fact, all these things are now allowing for cross-play between consoles and PCs. Mm-hmm. And consoles are doing 120 frames per second and and, 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 and the like. Um, so people on these different platforms are actually playing together uh, in that. And, you know, I think what you tend to find is, like, you take... Uh, Microsoft case is that it's um, ends up being normal that you know in some houses there's a PlayStation and an Xbox and a PC. Yeah, it's mine and yeah. a Switch or three. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, so you know, because you end up where you know a kid might want something different from the other kid, and, and a console is just largely meant to be a two hundred fifty to thousand dollar PC. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, right? Um, but, um, I, I think the, we shouldn't take a historically accurate behavior from Sony and somehow suggest that all the other companies in the world should do that. It wasn't the case with Betamax. It wasn't the case with Minidisc. It wasn't the case, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Sony proprietary formats and proprietary content on a proprietary platform mm-hmm. is very Sony specific. I don't think it's extrapolatable to other companies or right. something they should base their strategy on. But that's it. I guess that's that's enough for then we'll actually talk about Telco and Edge the next stuff. episode. Now that we're back on schedule for the new year. 
be back next yeah. week and yeah. and, uh, you, and you have like and you have like mega boosted antibodies i feel i feel mega boosted actually really yeah. strong okay well thank you dan and thank you jason apologies everybody for uh taking the conversation right down to that's what they, you uh, know what jason that uh you got to get your own shit together and you're probably gonna die alone nobody <laughs> will accuse you of holding back i see and that's good have a good week great you too man.